Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I am here with my co-host, Christina Sangera. Actually, today, I'm just going to do the intro myself. Christina and I couldn't sync up, but I want to make sure that we do a little intro for our podcast today. Today's episode was with Doug Cartwright, and we were really excited to talk to him because Initially, we thought the conversation was going to be mostly around psychedelics, but it actually wasn't. And we did talk a little bit about psychedelics, but we talked a lot about joy, about expectations, about how Doug's life changed. He was, you know, like a tech guy, bro, I think he called himself and And just like how he made the switch with spirituality, I think is really interesting. And he comes at spirituality in a very like low maintenance way. Like, I think he said that he's woo, he's not woo woo. (laughs) So it was just like a really interesting conversation to hear from him, to hear from him about why we think people are kind of afraid of psychedelics or any type of you know, substance that kind of changes our mind. I talked a lot about the fact that I have struggles with letting go of control when it comes to this kind of stuff. So it was a super interesting, um, interview. We also talked about his new book that came out, which is Holy shit. We're alive. And I just really think you're going to enjoy our conversation. We asked some really cool questions and he was super open with us about his life and his story. So If you um, haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Chronically Healing Podcast. You can do that on any network. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on Stitcher, all the places. So make sure you do that if you haven't already. Follow us over on the Facebook group, which is Chronically Healing Community, and our Instagram, which is Chronically Healing Podcast, to make sure that you don't miss anything from us. But without further ado, let's jump in to Doug's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'm here with my co-host, Christina Sangara. We're so excited to be back with another episode this week. And this week, we are talking to Doug Cartwright. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Doug, I have to say I'm excited to have you on. We have some parallel stories that I want to touch on a little bit later. Let's go into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to hear about you first a little bit, and then uh, let's dive in for sure. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you? Yeah. So I am the CEO and founder of The Daily Shifts, which is a personal development and mindfulness app that's Mm. designated for busy people. So, um, and we'll get into the journey, but I just kind of realized in my mindfulness journey, there was kind of like a big disconnect from like the average kind of person and then like the woo-woo. Mm. And, but in kind of in like the spiritual woo-woo space, there's so many incredible, beautiful tools and techniques of meditation and breathing exercises and gratitude. And so I wanted to create a tool um, that could bring those resources to people that was more approachable. Mm-hmm. And so that was the daily shifts. And then um, I'm also the author of the book, number one bestseller, Holy Shit, We're Alive. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, that came out in August and it's been a crazy wild ride that I could have never expected. So it's so interesting that you say all of this because I'm constantly talking to Jesse about how there's so much magic all around us that we just walk by every day. Yeah. Just walk by it, right? <laughs> like no big deal. There's just magic right outside my window. <laughs> I'm someone who, for example, loves nature. Mm. I love going out to nature and finding fractal patterns on my walks. I'm like a total yeah. nature nerd. 
I read a book called The Nature Fix that just changed my whole life. So long story short, I find beauty in the simple things, but I find that in our go, 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 go hustle culture, got to keep pushing, striving, always making more, more, more. We really lose touch with who we are in here. I'm pointing to my heart for those who are online. Wait, heart, heart. And yeah, so that just really, when you said that, that really, I think that's a good product to have on, to have out there because so many people right now are struggling with disconnection and they're depressed and they're anxious and they're wondering about what their purpose is in life. And they've just become so detached. And, and the stuff that's called woo woo now used to be who we were at our core. And now <laughs> right. we call it woo woo. These are things that used to be who we were foundationally. And then the other stuff outside of that was fluff. Now the fluff has become foundation and the woo-woo has become, you know, experimental or alternative. So I love that you're bringing the woo to the people that need it the most. I just want to say that. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I always tell people I'm not woo-woo, mm-hmm. but I am, I am woo. I'm one woo. <laughs> so I like to balance, I like to balance it out. And yes. so, yeah, and I think to your point, um, you know, and as I open up my book, the first kind of chapter is we shouldn't even be alive. Mm. And the statistical probability of this even happening is it's 0%. So, you know, it's a rounding error It's 0%. And, you know, just like you said, I love, there's a quote, I think it was by Oprah. And she said, if you want to experience God, take a walk through your garden. Mm. That gives me chills. (laughs) Yeah. And just the fact that like, if you think about it, just scientifically, it's, you know, you put a seed in the ground and dirt Mm. and then cover it with water. And then it eats solar rays from the sun. And over time it turns into a watermelon. Mm. Like that makes no sense. (laughs) Right. Yes. These really amazing things. Where is the intelligence? Like, where does the intelligence of that come from? Mm -hmm. You know? And so, you know, you you take that kind of perspective of that awe and curiosity you know, it brings a deep, you know, kind of presence and reconnection to yourself. So yeah, I love that whole idea of, of the nature and, and just even being on planet earth right now is just, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. And we have a similar story. I, I just want to mm-hmm. share. We yeah. had success in the corporate world. I was a corporate yeah. banker for 13 years. I was in wow. business banking for a really large fortune 500 company. And I was listening to something that you were on and you talked about being really defined by that that time in your life and your role i don't know about you but i realized that what i do for a living has to exist separately from who i am as a person because when these identities shift so for example when i left the bank i didn't know who the heck i was anymore because for 13 years of my life i was christina the banker and now i was christina the what right i had this crazy shift of self and not really understanding who i was and I'm curious what your thoughts are on, because I know we're going to dive deeper into your path and all of that, but did you find yourself when you were in that corporate world really being defined by that corporate identity? And then what happened as you made this shift into this whole new identity, this whole new person? I'm just curious about what that looked like for you, because I know what it looked like for me and it was shitty. (laughs) Yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, I, I fully, because I didn't know who I was before work and found something that I was really, really good at, it was really easy to attach my identity to it. Because it's like, oh, I, belo- I feel I'm good at this and I belong here and I'm getting recognition and it feels really good. So I'm going to en- embody my entire identity into this corporation. And it was fun and it was a good run. But 
you have these moments, kind of these breaking points where it doesn't resonate with you anymore. And so you shift out of it. Um, and my shift was really intense because I was growing up in Utah. I was, you know, this Mormon sales tech bro guy, and then basically shifted really, really hard into spirituality, psychedelics, mindfulness, yoga, meditation. And so it was a really sharp, hard turn. And not only was it difficult to disassociate my identity with my work, but it was also the second layers of like, oh, I'm a Mormon and I'm a bro and I'm, you know, all the things that I like, a football fan. And so really peeling back all the layers and some people call them the masks, the mask you wear of all Mm. the identities. It's a really, really intense process. But along the way, you know, it's, it's really the quote I embody of, to discover who you really are, you have to let go of who you thought you were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy for us to tie ourselves in identities with work and family and whatnot and, and friends and our activities we like. But a lot of times for most people, I've, I've realized a lot of those roles people are playing, are just, they're just playing in the roles they thought they were supposed to play into. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, pulling that back, it's really, really, really intense, but also so beautiful and freeing. I love that. And I, you mentioned psychedelics, which I know that you talk about a lot. And Christine and I were talking about this before you got on actually, how we, we both are very interested in that realm, but we're both just the worst control freaks. And so I'm just yeah. interested, like how you got into that space and like what you would tell like a control freak that like wants to try yeah. this, but is like way too afraid to even get started. So this is new information that I'm sharing for the first time on a podcast, but mm. my opinion on this has changed just in the last week. Mm. And I'm a very pro, you know, in, in a safety setting, working with psychedelics, it's very profound. But last week, I went up north to Petaluma, California and participated yes, I love that place. <laughs> in what's called the Hoffman process. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, if, are either of you familiar with the Hoffman mm-hmm. process? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think so. I feel like I've heard of it though. Yeah, yeah it's not, not Wim Hof, not Wim Hof breathing. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of people think, but it's this week long experience that absolutely shattered my mind. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's totally sober. It's not weird. It's not immoral. It's not cultish, but they take your phone for eight days and you're up in the beautiful mountains of California and they take you through this week long experiential design, intense experience. And it's all about you and your relationship with your mom and your dad. Mm. And they peel back these layers and these patterns that you play out over in relationships and work and life. And it was astonishing to me. And when you have this initial psychedelic experience, you know, you're never the same because mm-hmm. you ha- you've had an experience that you've never had before and your eyes have been opened and it's incredibly profound. And I'm a huge advocate for safe psychedelics, but for anyone that is really struggling with the idea of diving into psychedelics, I can't recommend the Hoffman process enough. Mm. It was just as eye-opening and healing and deep as the first time I did ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. And it's done in a safe, sober, legal setting. And so this new information has been really exciting for me because I I get this question a lot. You know, sounds like psychedelics are healing. It's kind of a hot buzzword. We've talked about it. We 
want to do it, but you know, for whatever reason, it's just, you haven't taken that step Mm -hmm. um, to dive in. And I'm just really excited. My gosh, the Hoffman process was the most incredible transformational week life. And it's not psychedelic. And Mm -hmm. so it's a really alternative for people that are control freaks, right? (laughs) To get to get to get some real some serious change done and some serious awareness brought to your forefront, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I think for anyone listening, you know, dive into the Hoffman process. Um, it's it was it was profound. I think it's the best personal development experience you can have. Really, oh, cool. This kind of reminds me of how breath work can make you feel. I feel high sometimes yeah. when I do certain types of breath work afterward. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling good. Let's just go live <laughs> yeah. the day now. <laughs> and it's a great reminder. I think that is a good reminder. I, I think that there's layers to everything, just like the woo, right? There's layers. You start here and then eventually you're making your own clothing out of hemp. And that's cool too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think there's layers also to this journey of self-discovery and self-exploration and getting deeper into those layers of yourself. So I love that you bring that up because I think it's great that we have that available to us. I think sometimes people feel like, okay, well, I guess that awakening just isn't for me because mm-hmm. I'm not ready to try the psychedelic. So I'll just wait to be right. awakened. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's actually such good timing that you went on that experience before this episode. I think that will give hope and hey, there's this spectrum. Start with Hoffman and then maybe you want that deeper layer. And yeah. I think my husband personally would do really well with the psychedelics angle because he is not a control freak like me. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's very good at, he's actually tried MDMA just on its own and yeah. he's never felt better. Mm-hmm. He felt yeah. this supreme empathy that he has just mm. never experienced in his whole life. He, I'm not going to say he struggles with empathy, but he's just not as naturally empathetic as myself. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I feel pain when someone feels pain, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. he's got to, you know, go a little bit deeper to feel that pain, which mm-hmm. is fine. We're different humans. Yeah. Anyway, I just love that you mentioned the spectrum. I think that's great. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and, to your, and to exactly what you're saying, I mean, it's like breath work is an incredible tool um, that I still use every single day. And even something like a static dance, yes. right, is very healing, right? And the things that the reason psychedelics are so mainstream and such a buzzword is really it's it's a shortcut. It's cheating in a mm-hmm. sense. Like you can go do 40 years of meditation therapy or you can do one really intense ayahuasca <laughs> ceremony weekend retreat. It's like choose, choose what you want to do. Yeah. And our culture loves quick, right? Yeah, we love quick. We love quick. Yeah. So I'm curious. I often find that pain is our awakening, right? We always talk about pain to purpose. What do they say? Your mess into your message. Mm -hmm. I know for me, getting diagnosed with an autoimmune disease was a huge turning point in my own life. And not long after that, I made the choice to start the exit strategy for my corporate gig. Do you feel the same has been true for your journey? Was there a shift or a moment in your journey that prompted you to want to do this deeper inner work? Because this to me is something that we stumble upon usually because we have a need of some kind. We're craving this deeper layer of life that we know exists, but we're not really sure how to access it. Is there anything that you can think that played into you um, wanting to make this shift and go deeper? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's... um... It's interesting because it wasn't this distinct pain that I was in. It was more of, you know, I've I've titled it in my book as the success void. And I was Mm -hmm. suffering from the success void. And what the success void is to me is 
on paper, my life looked very successful. I was making great money. I had a nice car. I was traveling first class. I was going to the Super Bowl and the NBA Finals and the World Series and was dating runner-up Miss USA and like had, I was living the bachelor life, but I was completely miserable. Mm. And it wasn't like I was suffering this overwhelming, unbearable pain, but like there was just a, I was missing something there. I just remember thinking, I remember this, uh, specifically thinking when I would meet really happy people, you know, we all know that person that's really happy and, you know, financially success, successful and have a beautiful family. And they're almost like a magnet of success mm-hmm. and you like gravitate towards them and they're glowing. And I would bump into these people and we all know people like this. And I would bump into these people along the way. And I'm like, what do you know? Like <laughs> I'm doing everything. I've got money and success and but like what do you know that I don't because I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing Mm. and so I was really just confused it just didn't make sense to me um, because I was checking all the boxes right we like to check boxes and Mm. so it was more out of curiosity and more out of like okay I need to explore other realms and the piece that was missing for me really was the spiritual spiritual piece I had a strong intellect. I was in tune with my emotions. I was in tune with my body, but I was missing the soul piece. Mm. And I was really disconnected from my soul. And my journey really was the journey of rediscovering my true essence. Mm-hmm. And that was the missing piece, the guidance from, you know, whether you use the word God or universe or soul or divine. For me, I use the word universe and tapping in and building that relationship. Um, and I can't believe I, I never in a million years would think that I'd be saying this on a podcast of building a relationship with God, quote unquote. Um, but it, it's true. I, I, you know, tapping into the divine force that guides us. And on that note, I think, especially for men is, and, and I've experienced this too with, with others is in regards to that pain point, right? Where it's like, I'm feeling pain in my life. So I'm looking for something different we tend to undervalue our trauma because Mm -hmm. we compare our trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I went through a really traumatic experience, but my friend got raped and beat up and kidnapped. So who am I to complain? Who am I to feel bad about myself when so-and-so has it so much worse? Mm -hmm. And so we undervalue our trauma but it creates the same effect, right? Mm -hmm. It creates, it changes our neural pathways. It changes our behavior. It changes our pattern. But, and so we don't deal with it because we then we look outward like, Oh, I shouldn't complain. I have it so good. And -and so-and-so has a way worse. So I'm fine. And so we suppress Mm -hmm. our emotions and we suppress that angst or overwhelm or trauma. And then we don't ever deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people are going through life with unexpressed and unhealed experiences due to this comparison thing where it's, I I shouldn't complain. My parents had it so much worse. My mom had it so much worse. My friend has it so much worse. And so I just need to kind of like toughen up and, and like, just be stronger. And Mm -hmm. that just creates this buildup and buildup of buildup of festering until it explodes. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I like to just share to listeners is just, you know, your trauma is valid. Your intense experiences are valid, even if you don't feel like it is. And and even if you've, you, we all know people who have had more intense experiences and that's okay. It doesn't mean yours is, is any less valuable. And so that was a big breakthrough for me, realizing that like, 
yeah, even when I was 25 years old and I got my heart broken by a girl, mm-hmm. that was actually really impactful and it changed my beha- my patterns and behaviors and I needed to go work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these these pain points, to your point, are are very important and they're very valid and healing them, even if you don't think they're a big deal, can, is the key to, to really transforming your life, leaning into more of a free express, radical expression of yourself. Mm-hmm. We, oh, go ahead. Uh, we actually had like a, a trauma expert on, and I don't remember exactly how she said it, but something to the effect of trauma isn't the activity or the experience that happened. It's, it happens in your body. Mm-hmm. So it's not the rape or the breakup or the, you know, father dying or whatever, those are all traumatic, but it's how your body interprets that and what happens inside, what happens to Christina, what happens to you, what happens to me, we can all see that and feel that very differently. And it could, you know, change us in a good way. It could not change us at all, or it could totally throw us off kilter. And, um, that was really eye opening for me having, I definitely have fallen into that bucket. Like you've talked, like you were talking about where I've been like, my traumas aren't that bad. I grew up in a pretty good family. Like it wasn't, there wasn't anything terrible. Like I, nothing terrible happened to me, but you know, I'm at the time like 30 and I'm stuck in this pattern and I can't get out of it because I wouldn't come to terms with, with my trauma. So I think that that's really important for people to hear for sure. It's like the trauma competition. Right. I was just reading about that. There's this whole idea that trauma is a competition. And how many times have we, I, I know I've engaged in conversations like that, even in general, in my, my romantic relationship with my hubby, we've been together 12 years and we have certain patterns that we're constantly working to, to fix. And one thing I notice is sometimes we will try to out-suffer each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm suffering this way. Well, mm-hmm. I'm suffering this way. Well, I'm suffering this way. And I kind of always try to step back not usually in the moment because my ego is raging, <laughs> but after the fact, and I look at that and I'm, I'm like, we're sitting here trying to outsuffer each other. Why don't we just come together and heal mm-hmm. instead and not have it be about who had it worse? Mm-hmm. That's really not the point, right? It's more, how can we heal collectively? So I like mm-hmm. that we had that, that little dialogue. Mm-hmm. That made me happy. Yeah. And I think before that step too is understanding that you, you know, we talk about our identities and work, right? You said I had my identity wrapped up in my job. You know, it's also noteworthy to not have your identity wrapped up in your trauma. And a lot of people will take on this identity of, they take on their trauma where I was sexually abused. And so I'm a victim mentality. And uh, I just want to encourage people that you are not your trauma. You're Mm. not what happened to you, right? And you have the ability to heal that and let it go and move past it. And it is possible to heal. And so uh, this whole taking on identity can show up in a lot of ways, just not in work, but also in actually our trauma as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very possible to get addicted to chaos. Mm. Yeah, I've noticed that myself where I've been in this pattern for so long that I've probably in the last two years started to reshape where, for example, if my keys are missing, I go right into, oh my God, where are my keys? <laughs> I get this crazy anxious energy over my keys. And then I I always have to step back and go, oh my gosh, I'm addicted to chaos. I'm addicted mm-hmm. to my stuff being lost. I can't find it. The day's going wrong. My kid is licking the floor when she should be getting in the car seat. <laughs> <laughs> but I get addicted to the thought of freaking out about every little thing. Mm-hmm. Where did so you learn I, that? 
well, she won't listen to this, but my mom. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I like I love her to death, but you know, she had me at 17. She mm-hmm. was still growing up as she was yeah. as she was raising yeah. me. And so I learned that everything is is an emergency. Mm-hmm. Everything is an emergency, right? We have to yeah. freak out about everything from from losing our keys to something that actually needs to be freaked out about. Mm-hmm. And that is when you said the the Hoffman thing about your parents. I have recently realized, and it's funny that you say the trauma thing. My mom takes it really personal when I tell her there's certain experiences. And I'm like, it doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I don't think you did your best, but this is how I interpreted that. And I'm realizing it's something that I'm working through, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Hoffman, literally what Hoffman process is, it's eight days of super high intensity, what, what we just went through. Mm-hmm. on such an incredible subconscious level and all of the patterns we learned from mom and dad mm-hmm. our surrogates right <laughs> so it's it it's and and what's so cool about it too you know tapping into other ways to heal throughout psychedelics is they put you in very cathartic experiences mm-hmm. where you're moving your body because we know the body keeps the score just like you were saying earlier of how the trauma survivors and hey you, you hold that in your body mm-hmm. and we do we hold so much in our body and so this experience, they put you in experiences where you're moving your body really intensely and old memories will pop up and an old pattern. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, we're just fascinating creatures of how we learn everything from mom and dad. Mm-hmm. I think there's like, as we're talking about this and the connection I'm feeling, it's interesting. I, I asked you the question earlier about, you know, people that want to try psychedelics, but they're afraid of losing control. And you start, you started talking about this Hoffman thing and I still felt resistance in me. And it, it made mm. me think it's, this isn't a control thing. This is a fear thing. Like, like what you're talking about, it's scary. And I think a lot of people listening, anybody that has a chronic illness, autoimmune disease, it's really easy to get caught up being the sick person. And that's just what you are. And I know for me, I have a lot of resistance, even like I know Christina does a lot of the ecstatic dance and things like that. I have a lot of resistance toward a lot of those things because a, I'm afraid of what I'm going to find out and B I'm, there's still a piece of me that's afraid of letting go of the sick person. Like that's an excuse that I've been able to use since the second grade when I started having chronic migraine. And it, you know, it's something that I could, I can say like, hi, my name is Jesse. I have Hashimoto's. Like, it's just a, it's a thing that I say, even before I say my last name sometimes. And I think, um, I think there's a lot of people listening. I know there are that notice themselves getting wrapped up in that. And it w- I just wanted to bring it up, calling myself out as we're talking. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't a control thing. This is a fear thing. That's real. It's yeah, scary. Well, it's, a, it's, it's a safety mechanism, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you can put yourself, label yourself, then it allows you to get out of uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Right. And gives yourself permission in a sense to stay small or hidden or whatnot and be able to not lean into discomfort of growth or expansion. And so it's really common. And I think before any of that, it's, you know, we, we talk about like, oh, I label myself, you know, give yourself compassion, mm-hmm. right? You know, your, your, your inner being is just trying to protect you mm-hmm. and that's their job. And so they found a tool of identifying with, with your label mm-hmm. as a way of, for safety and it's doing its job. Mm-hmm. So it's just now, do you want to continue living that way or not? It's up to you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, hopefully the message coming out overall is in, to inspire people that if you're tired of living that pattern mm-hmm. and are tired of, of leaning on that label, 
that you can actually free yourself and, and expand, which is really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I started doing somatic therapy toward the end of last year. And it was kind of because I decided that I was like, okay, this is all very terrifying <laughs> for me. But yeah. at the same time, I don't want to be stuck. Like I was noticing every year looked the same and nothing yeah. about me felt like I was moving forward. And I think that whatever works for you, like for me, starting in somatic therapy one-on-one is more comfortable for me to get started, mm. to work with someone that way. But for other people, it might be breath work. My husband really loves breath work and that's helped him immensely. And, um, and yeah, or psychedelics or this Hoffman approach or, or whatever kind of works. But yeah, once I feel like most of the time, once people become fully aware of what's happening, it's hard to let that go. You're like, okay, now what am I going to do with this? Like, you yeah. know, so I think that that's the awareness. Yeah. Well, it's key. just when, when you, when you heal your stories and your labels, right. Mm-hmm. There's a brief moment where you feel very exposed. Mm-hmm. Right. You're very raw. You're very authentic in the world. And that's scary for a lot of people. It's scary to be seen. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you'll see a lot of people will cling to another identity where it's like, I am now a spiritual person. You know? <laughs> that's like, that's still your ego speaking, you know? Right. right? Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's scary to be vulnerable in the world. Um, and so a lot of people will continue to jump to identities, but overall, I think just the message is what's really cool about personal development and healing work is that it works mm-hmm. and that you can change your life and you can change your inner dialogue um, and that it's not a race mm-hmm. and that you can't put a, a timetable on your healing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, so many of us are very analytical, especially if, you know, if we are in banking, right? It's very like, it's a very one plus two equals three. Mm-hmm. And this is how you do it. And this is exactly how it does. And this input will give me that output. But with healing, if you went through a traumatic experience, you know, it might take you 20 ayahuasca experiences and 10 years of therapy and, you know, you know, astrology, whatever your thing is to move through it. And that's okay. There's no timetable. And so bringing this thing, it's important to share that message too, of, of you can't put a timetable on your healing. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. And one message I also, I want to pull this out because I did this myself. You talk a little bit about the things right? The private jets, the cars, all the things. And I did the same thing. I, I filled my life with stuff. I filled mm-hmm. my life with fake people that didn't have my best interest. My, I ended up having to file bankruptcy and with thirty, $40,000 in credit card debt. And it was just, it was a low point in my life. And I will never forget not having the gas money to fill up my $80,000 Mercedes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, who am I living for? Yeah. Who is this for? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, now I drive a Prius. Before that, I drove a Honda for 20 years. You know, my whole mindset has changed, which is ironic because I could probably make the payment work now, but it's like, I'm a whole different person. So I say all this to say, I find a lot of people bringing things into their life, material things, even experiences a little bit, slowly dying inside, not recognizing that they are just trying to fill a void. I would love for you to give our listeners some examples of how you've shifted into a place of being more rooted in who you are versus having things be your main source of joy. What is that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I I think it's just understanding that a you can't solve an internal problem with something external Um, so true yes and a lot of people say that a lot of different ways money doesn't buy happiness whatever it may be right um 
And the way that I embody that, you know, a very simple, simple way is, for example, Instagram, right? Social media, we all post, we follow, we like, we doom scroll, we, we spend a lot of, we're all addicted to our phones. Um, and the way I check myself is on a simple way that is an easy tool that anyone can, can embrace right now is if I'm going to post something, a question I ask is my intentions. Mm-hmm. Am I posting this because I want likes and follows or what other people are think, or am I posting it really because I really love this picture and I want to be able to come back and look at it in the future. Mm-hmm. And if I, can I post this and get zero likes and not have my internal state be shifted? Yeah. Right. That's good. That's so and good. so that, yeah. So that's something that I kind of check myself on and you know, keeping myself in check and, and doing it for me is, is I think it's really important before you can get to that, that phase, I think everyone needs to learn to love to be alone. Mm-hmm. And can you be alone with yourself and have a blast mm-hmm. and be ecstatic and happy and engaged and laugh out loud by yourself? And once you really learn to master being alone, then you actually don't need anyone else, mm-hmm. right? And not, that's not a bad thing, right? Because we'll always want some, we can, we'll always want company and, and connection and love and that's okay. But if you need something, I need you to be a certain way. If I need something from you, I'm actually at mercy of you. Mm-hmm. It's a different right? type of energy. Yeah. You're in charge of my happiness. You're in charge of my inner well-being. if I need you. Right. So if I, but if I want you, it's different. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think about that in romantic relationships. I don't ever want to need my partner. Right. Right. But I want my partner. I want to grow. I want to love. I want to share this experience with you. And that's okay. But the moment you need something, you're in trouble. And it's really just the biggest difference between um, being submissive and surrender. Mm. Right? You hear the word surrender a lot in spirituality. People are like, surrender, surrender, surrender. And some people take, misinterpret that as submission. Right. Submission is like, okay, you're, you're in charge of me. You're the boss. I'm at your will. And I'm doing it because I don't want to. And you're kind of you're, you're influencing me and changing me, but I don't want to, but I'm being submissive. Surrender is I fully trust you. I fully am in in alignment with who I am. I'm confident, I'm wise, and I'm surrendering to a higher force that will guide me for my highest good rather than being submissive and being pushed and punished and forced into something you don't want to do. And so those are, these are some tactics that I try and lean into. Am I doing this for me? Can I be alone? Am I needing something? Do I need it? Am I being, or am I being submissive or am I wanting something in surrender and trust without being attached to the outcome? Because I fully believe the, I mean, if you really break it down, the reason we suffer, all three of us, everyone listening, the reason we suffer is because we are attached to a specific outcome. Oh my God. Yes. There's something we want and we're attached to it. Yes. Whether it's a relationship or health or money or status or whatever it may be. And then when it doesn't happen the way we want, we feel the sting and the suffering. So can I show up as my best self in my career? Right. This doesn't mean don't work hard. This doesn't mean go, don't go after goals. But can I show up as my best self, put out my best work, connect with those care but not be attached to how the result lands? Mm-hmm. which is really, really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. It is. 
And it yeah. reminds me of the manifestation journey where they always say, I'm open to this or the greater good or the highest good versus yeah. I need $75 million from yeah. this lottery ticket that I'm going to purchase yeah. at this gas station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's no. interesting. I don't know if you caught that, but you said the word need, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I need this, yeah. right? And this, there's a big difference between needing and wanting. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't need 75 million, but damn, yeah, I kind of yeah, want right. it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I totally get your drift. Last night, hubby and I, we were making paper boats with our kid. And sometimes we are kind of controlling of her, but not that we're trying to be, just that we want the experience to go a certain way, right? We want the boat yeah. to be made perfectly and the water to make sense and all the things. And suddenly I was like, hold up, just let her make it wrong. That's right. fine. Yeah. She's, she can make it wrong and then she just has a funny boat. That's cool. Versus us being like, well, you have to fold it this way and then crease yeah. it right here. Mm -hmm. And I found us doing that where we were trying to control that outcome and then we get frustrated. And it's like, mm -hmm. we're frustrated that she's four and she wants to make a weird boat. That's cool, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So as a parent, I've had to step into that a lot. I've had to not try to control how my child does things and really honor her individuality because I find myself wanting to control outcomes, ironically, so that she has a good experience, but she doesn't have a good experience if all we're trying to do is shape her into what we need her to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I can see so much of what you're saying, Doug. And like, even just this past weekend, it was my birthday and I, you know, Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was yeah. like, you know, told my husband, I'm like, just plan something. It's fine. I'll be happy with whatever it is. And then <laughs> yeah, I was 100% right. not happy with what it was. <laughs> I was really upset. I didn't feel like he knew me. I was very mm. like, you don't know me. You don't know that I, you know, I'm lonely right now. I need, I need connection, like all of these things. And then all of a sudden I was like, I told him two weeks ago to just plan whatever he thought and I, but I still had some sort of, you know, thing that I wanted to see and it. And it pops up even when we're not thinking about it, it can be something as big as, you know, money and like being specific about you. I need this job and this amount of money, or I need this partner or as small as like a birthday or making boats with your kid. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, it's hard Amazing. not to get focused on, on what you believe something should be in order to be happy. For the record, I would have felt the same way. So you're not alone. <laughs> we still have to do the inner work, but I yeah. just want you to know like solidarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely, lovely examples. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I want to make sure that we get some time to talk about your book. Can you tell us a little bit more about it and why you wrote it? What brought you to it? And um, yeah, just tell us a little bit more for the listeners. Yeah, so if you kind of open up the inside cover and read the about, you know, our team did a really good job of coming up with the psychedelic sparked spiritual journey of an ex-Mormon millionaire. <laughs> and so it's really punchy and you're like, yeah. oh, wow, what's going on here? Great marketing. Uh, <laughs> great marketing. Yeah. And it's just my journey of kind of my awakening and the life experiences I had and I wanted to, you know, I did a really deep dive into this spiritual rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share some really powerful truths that I had learned along the way in a very simple, easy to read way that was approachable to a little bit different demographic. Maybe someone who's never picked up a spiritual book before or someone that's kind of looking for a fun, entertaining read as well with showing some truths. And it's just funny, like when you're in surrender mode, things just happen. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I was going to write a book. I never thought I was going to be a number one bestseller. 
And the best way to describe people are like, Hey, how did you write your book? I did just say, it just happened. Like, I don't even mm. know. And I would get these intuitive nudges and I met the right people at the right time. And someone who, you know, worked for the publishing company and heard the story and was into psychedelics and loved my story. And then I met, you know, it's just all, it was, it's crazy. And so really the, the main takeaway I would love readers to get, and, and I have been getting from, from the feedback is to help people learn to love the life they're actually living mm. rather than fighting for the life they think they should be living. Mm. Right. And for so much of my life, I was fighting for this life that I thought I should be doing, should be married. I should have kids. I should make this much money. I should have this car. I should live in this neighborhood. And so I was like angstily like rushing around the world and not conscious at all. And just like kind of living in this happy when syndrome, which is I'll be happy when, mm-hmm. you know, my, my break is just around the corner. Like if just as soon as I get the partner, then I'm better. As soon as I get my health in shape, then I'll be good. As soon as I make like this extra money and get over the sump, then things will be good. Mm-hmm. And that time never comes. And, you know, I love the quote of life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't predict how life's going to unfold. You just can't. It's impossible. And how can we tap in and love and learn the life we're actually living right now in this moment and be present with calmness? And so that's kind of the main takeaway. And I, and I, and I teach that through sharing my really fun, entertaining, crazy stories around the globe. So. <laughs> I'm going to read your book. Hubby and I own a brick and mortar, which I can say without even having to say, obviously COVID decimated us in a lot of ways. (laughs) And so many fear patterns kept coming up. And Mm. what I found is we have become so attached to the idea of how things should be, how we want them to Mm. be, wanting to recover, wanting to not even be in this situation. And it affects our mental health greatly to the point where if the business is doing well, we're doing well. And if it's not doing well, we're not doing well, mm. both together and also individually. So I love what you said about not being attached to outcomes, not being attached to how things should be. That is what we're actively working on right now is mm. being okay with things not being okay. Because maybe we had to have that shit month for our best month ever to manifest at a different date, yeah. right? And I've learned that we'll have a terrible month and then we'll have a month that just blows things out of the water and maybe with that terrible terrible month prior we learned something that allowed us to step into this higher month you know i'm just i'm i'm saying that from experience i always seem to get stronger so i love that idea i think yeah. it's it's true for so many people um one thing we do like to ask all guests is what is something that you do every single day to feel your best so what are things you like to do that keep you feeling your best so i have a personal truce with myself that no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I will move my body for 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes. Mm. So that could be a yoga class. That could be a really intense Peloton. That could just be a walk around the park. But for 30 minutes, I need to move my body. Um, And by doing so, it just helps me feeling really refreshed and energized. And especially on days if I'm not going really hard, I can't, I can't, express enough how powerful a 30 minute walk outside in nature, not only does your physical body, but more so for your mental health. Mm-hmm. And so rather than being like, I need to bench a hundred pounds, 500 pounds and whatever, yada, yada, it's just move my body for 30 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. And that can look like a number of things. And that just keeps me on track. And so that's something I love to keep me aligned, you know, especially physically. 
Yeah. Love that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, where can people connect with you if they wanted to online or if they wanted to get your book, what would be the best way to do so? The easiest way to connect with me is on Instagram at Doug underscore Cartwright. I do my very, very, very best to answer every single DM. So if you have a question, shoot me a DM mm-hmm. and you can find my book. Easiest is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holy shit. We're alive. And you can also find it on my website uh, at the daily Perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Any nuggets, n- any little nugget of wisdom that popped up for you toward the end? Yep. The nugget of wisdom I love to share the most is a three word phrase, which is loosen the reins. Mm. I love that. Right. Say no more. No, <laughs> say more if you want to, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hold on to life so tightly. Mm-hmm. And if you just let go, if you loosen the reins a little bit, I think you'll be shocked to what you're making space for. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much for being on with us today. I'm really excited for our listeners to listen into this. I think they're going to be really excited. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you, you, ladies. Of course.